if you can describe the problem to the customer better than they can describe it themselves, they'll feel like you have the solution. And welcome back to Leading Matters. Always, always happy that you're here. And today is absolutely no exception. I've got Grant Baldwin today. As always, going to introduce him more formally in just a moment when we get the interview started. Long and short of it, Grant is a public speaker, professional speaker, and he trains people how to get booked and paid to speak. His webinars are fantastic. I would encourage you to go check them out. But what I love about this guy is that he's he's obviously a hardworking, disciplined guy who has leveraged that. And even he says, look, I might not be the best speaker in the world, but I know how to execute and keep myself disciplined in a manner that's going to help me advance my business. And what I find more and more, especially when I help larger companies uh, with what I do, that um, the larger the companies, the more fragmented and isolated the disciplines become. Because if you're a large company, you could, ha- you could focus – I had a boss used to call it the uh, – uh, right bolt, uh, what did he say? He used to say the uh, right fender front bolt specialist, like on an assembly line, like a guy just screwing in the one bolt. And larger companies can do that, right? That they can isolate their disciplines. But what ends up happening there is that when we become so fragmented and isolated, that collaborative nature of the tactile execution falls by the wayside. I know, by the way, this is true even in our own personal efforts. Think about anything in your life. Think about you know, your exercise habits, your eating habits, your personal development habits, your career goals, your, your faith and family goals. All of those things, if you want to make them the best thing possible, we have to put some work into them and be disciplined about the things that make them great. And that is what Grant Baldwin's awesome at. And that's, you know, he's a great speaker for sure, but he's really uh, an incredible disciplinarian, if I could use that word, over the tactics that are necessary for growing his business. So keep that in mind as you jump into this episode with Grant Baldwin and then share it around because I think more leaders of all stripes need to hear what Grant Baldwin has to say today on Leading Matters. My guest today is a successful keynote speaker and educator, but really I see him more as a prolific communicator who combines a tireless effort with creative mastery of presentation and really a skill set that comes through loudly and clearly on educational webinars that he frequently runs. He is the creator of the speakerlab.com and the booked and paid to speak training program. Now he's addressed over 400,000, yes that's right, 400,000 people in nearly every state in the country and his book Reality Check is taught in 400 schools across the United States. He is Grant Baldwin, and I'm very thankful to have him on the show with me today. Grant, welcome to Leading Matters. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate you uh, letting me hang out with you today. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have you here for sure because I love your work. I'm kind of a, a, a fan, if you will, of what you do and, and, and even learn some things from you just, just by following you. And I, before we get into that, though, for the benefit of my audience who might be hearing Grant Baldwin for the first time, I always like to allow my audience to kind of orient themselves. So Help me understand and help my audience understand how you ended up in the profession of public speaking and really how you've ended up not just speaking as a living, but also educating others to do the same. Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, my career actually started as a youth pastor. So in, in high school, I was really involved in my local church. My my youth pastor had a big impact in my life. And uh, for a while, I was like, that that's what I want to do. That seems fun. And and uh, I think I'd be decent at it. And and so I went to went to Bible college, was a youth pastor for a little while and uh, at a local church. And, and there gave me the, some opportunities to, to speak. And so I was speaking typically to high school students and doing kind of a yeah, like middle of the week type services. And then from time to time, I'd speak on the weekends in big church, you know, and 
And uh, so really enjoyed it. Felt like I was decent at it. So that was definitely some opportunities that I, I felt like, okay, there, there might be something there. So when, uh, when my wife was pregnant with our, our first child, um, I left the position that I was in and for a little while, I, to be honest with you, I had a bit of a, like this quarter life crisis of figuring out, all right, I don't, what, what do I want to do when I grow up? You know, do I, do I want to keep doing this thing and be on the same path or do I want to do something else? And, uh, in college, I actually worked for a guy who was a speaker and then I, I knew a couple guys who were speakers. And so, uh, I knew I was okay and decent at speaking. And so I decided I wanted to go down that path. So for the next several years, um, built a business as a, as a speaker, uh, to the point where I was doing that full time for about the past eight or nine years or so, uh, speaking 50, 60, 70 events a year, a lot in the education space, doing a lot with high schools and colleges, uh, a lot of conferences and events. Um, and then it got to a point where a couple of years ago, um, two two things happen. One is that the challenge with speaking is it doesn't scale very well, and meaning that you are one person in one place at one time uh, talking to one audience. And so the nature of speaking, I, I remember I had a buddy tell me early on, is like the nature of speaking is it's a high paying manual labor job, meaning y we get paid way too well to stand on a stage and run our mouth, but the nature of speaking is you have to get on a plane. You have to leave your family. You have to go somewhere, right? Sure. Um, and so I didn't, I, I got to a point where I was doing as much as I wanted to do. I was charging toward the upper end of what I felt comfortable with in that particular market. And so then it's kind of like, well, now what, you know, do I just, do I just keep doing this for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And I mean, there's plenty of speakers who do that and that's fine. But, um, the other thing that was starting to happen was I was having a lot of people ask me like, Hey, how, mm -hmm. how, do, how did you become a speaker? Right. And some people were just like, that's just fascinating. You know, not a lot of people do that. And that's interesting. How did you do that? And other people were like, I, if I wanted to do that, what would I need to do? And so we started teaching some of that here and there, just kind of casually to people and more and more people continue to, to ask about it. And, uh, so eventually we started, um, a training program called booked and paid to speak. And that's kind of the, the primary primary training program that we offer where we teach people how do you actually find and book speaking engagements and ultimately how do you build a, a speaking business. Uh, and so that really continued to take off to the point where uh, I was cutting back on the amount of, of speaking that I am speaking and travel that I was doing. Um, sure. And so now the, a large part of what we do is uh, is what you refer to as the speaker lab is the, the business. And so we teach booked and paid to speak. And again, ultimately, we, we teach people how do you find and book uh, paid speaking engagements. So, yeah, that's kind of been the uh, the evolution so far. So Grant, let me let me dive into that just a little bit because I'll be honest, I um, to give you a little bit of my backstory, I, I've been a marketing professional most of my career, been doing it on my own as a solopreneur, entrepreneur for about a year and a half, give or take, right? And as I entered into building my own business, I discovered there's a whole sea of coach, business coaches and information sure. products that are out there. And look, if I could be so candid, there's a lot of bad, there's a lot more bad ones in that market than there are good ones. You really have totally. to yep. yeah, yeah. Um, but the ease of entry is such that anybody can call themselves anything, right? Yeah. So I'm curious if when you started to – I'm just curious if you had the, the, um, the, the mental conversation with yourself about, okay, if I'm going to start to train people to do this, that I really want to prioritize that they're getting value out of it, you know, because I think far too yeah. many coaches don't have that conversation. Did you have that kind of internal chat with yourself? No, absolutely. In fact, there's uh, I felt a lot of hesitation beginning to do some training because of what you described. That there's definitely, I think, um, outside looking in, that there's definitely a lot of people who uh, run online programs or online coaches or online fill in the blank, and it just I don't know. At, outside looking in, it feels. Um, slimy or sneaky or, yeah, yeah. you know, again, fill in the blank of what the, what the negative adjective might be. And it just felt weird. In fact, I still have people from time to time, like friends who are just like, 
is it really, is it a bad business? And I was like, actually, no, the more I've gotten into it, the more I know that there are, yeah, you're right. There are a lot of people who are just hanging up a shingle, just trying to make a buck, but there's also a lot of really high quality, yeah. top notch, um, good hearted people who really want to help and make a difference. And so, um, yeah, the, the more I got into it, the more I realized that this, you know, is, is very, not only very legit, but also a great way to help people. Cause even going back to what we were talking about earlier about the nature of, of speaking is that if I was getting on, if I was speaking to an audience and let's say Chicago, like that's the only audience that I could speak to. And then they, and, and if they wanted to, um, if an audience member wanted to, to have a question for me or they wanted to, um, to learn from me in some way that they had to be in Chicago on that day. Right. Where, Whereas the nature of what we do now with, with an online training program or webinars is that we have people from literally all over the world who can join us and they from the comfort of their own home or mm -hmm. office or wherever they may be. Uh, and so there's definitely that that that's helped significantly to where I feel like I've been able to help even more people um, in in places and countries that I've never even been to that I yeah. wouldn't have have otherwise been able to connect with those people. So uh, I would say that's been very like very much the case there. The other thing I would say is. Um, I think that, and you kind of alluded to this, that I think there are definitely people online who are doing something that they don't necessarily have the credibility, uh, or they haven't necessarily done sure. themselves, you know? And I think one thing that that's been helpful and, and part of the reason I think we've had, you know, some level of success is that, is that, you know, I was a full-time speaker for many, many years. And so it's not, Hey, I spoke twice and I think I figured something out. So now let's go teach it. But I mean, I've, like, like you said, I've done uh, 400, close to 500 paid speaking engagements. And so, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, all different sizes of, of events and venues and industries. And so I have a lot of like practical in the trenches experience that, then translates to, Hey, let me, let me show you how to do, do the same. So I think that that's made a big difference as well. Sure. And, and I'm, look, I think that's a perfect kind of navigation of when you just, you know, where you ended up and where, why you decided to do the online outreach. And, and that's a big reason why I wanted to have you on the show. So, and I mentioned before we got on the air here and I'll tell it for the benefit of my audience that I've seen your main kind of um, educational webinar that explains to people what you do, some of the ins and outs of, of that industry of speaking for, for dollars and cents, but then also invite them to join the speakerlab.com, which is your online program, um, or book and spade to peak, I'm, I'm sorry. So, but what I find so amazing about your webinars is that they are packed with value, right? In other words, you spend at least an hour. It's usually, I know you do them all times a day, but the one I, I sat through was uh, in the evening, uh, like later in the evening, like around eight o'clock or something. And you not only engage the audience, which, oh, by the way, is a, is a challenging task for anybody that's done a virtual event, getting an audience engaged uh, virtually when you can't see them, you can't hear them, you just have the little chat window where you see they're responding that way. You do a great job of that. But also, it's just there's a ton of value in there. I mean, you give some really valuable pieces of information that if the per, even if the person decides not to engage with you in book and paid to speak, that they're going to walk away with practical knowledge right so yeah. my, my question here is like how did you because so many people say oh we should educate first but in, you know, in reality 99.9 percent .9 of the people in the marketplace educate to a point where they want to get that gated content so they can get their content information and get them moving right you right. seem to take an alternative approach that i'm going to share as much information as i'm willing to share here so people gain some value even if they just showed up for the hour how did you arrive at that point? I mean, was it an evolutionary thing? Or when you began, you said, I'm going to educate first, and then we'll, the chips will fall where they may? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's definitely um, 
uh, probably been a bit of both where one was just just learning from and paying attention to what other people had done and uh, what other people have been successful. And it's one thing I'd heard from a lot of people who had said you want to give away as much as possible and almost to the point that it feels like you're giving away too much. Right. And, and there are definitely times where internally, both for me personally, as well as just internally with our team, we've debated like, should we trim some of what's what's going in the way? Because there's a lot of like you said, there's, a, there's I feel like it's a pretty strong webinar, you know, and um, but at the same time, like I want to make sure that um, that someone coming to it, I, I think we've all set through webinars that are ultimately it just feels like some just um, long infomercial or just a big sales pitch. And it just feels like a waste of time. It's like I didn't really get anything from this. And so I want to make sure that if someone comes and ultimately, like you said, the, the point is to not only educate, but hopefully that they you know invest in a training program um, that that they, even if they don't buy anything that they leave and feel like, you know, that was really, that was well worth my time. That was worth, that was, that free training was worth more than some of the paid things that, uh, you know, I paid for or attended or whatever. So it's definitely been, um, uh, very, a very conscious choice. And I think we've, we have, we've done a lot of webinars at this point. And so we've, uh, tweaked constantly, of let's, you know, let's add this, let's take this out. Um, we're getting common questions on this. So let's add this into the material and people don't seem as engaged here. So let's cut that. And so it's really, it's, it's a very iterative process of trying to, uh, make sure that you're creating the type of content and and training that people want and need. Um, and at the same time, like I said, if, if, even if they get to a point where they don't buy, um, that's fine. I'm I'm totally totally good with yeah. that. And and I yeah. I tell people all the time, like when we when we offer booked and paid to speak on the webinar, and people are like, well, you know, I don't I don't have the money right now. It's like, but great, that's fine. That doesn't bother me at all. It's like I'm not trying to you know, hard pitch you something. And if the timing's not right or the money's not that, that's totally cool. And so the point of the, of the webinar is ultimately to say, Hey, here's what you need to get going. Now, if you're looking for more help and support, the reality is that there's only so much we can cover and, you know, in an hour training, but if you're looking for more things, then here's this for you, but it's optional. It's totally optional. And so if you don't, if you don't want it or don't need it, then absolutely take what we've shown you already or go listen to our podcast or go read our blog yep. post or go check out all the other free yeah. content we've have out there. But if you're looking for like a step-by-step, -step, you know, plan with some help and support, um, then here's a, here's a optional resource for you. Yeah, see, that's exactly I love I love the entire kind of coverage there, right? Because I see, especially where leadership's concerned. So, a frequent challenge that I see for leaders, uh, no matter how big or small their business is, if they understand their marketplace, great, right? They have their product or their service developed and it's well defined, better. But sometimes there's a uh, disconnect with how am I how am I going to actually engage with this marketplace? In other words, look, I could follow the cookie cutter approach of content marketing and social media marketing and whatnot, and I could do those things, and they end up being tactical, and they're necessarily so. But how do I truly engage and build almost? And I don't want to use the word community because I think it's overused. But how do I build a, a, a more natural interaction with those that I know are going to be predisposed to care about what I have to say? I mean, again, same question here. Is that something? Did you go through an evolutionary process where you knew exactly who you were speaking to? Um, were you just kind of reflecting yourself when you were first getting started in the business? Or did you take time to see and ask yourself and have your team kind of answer the same question as people that are in this market, like what are the things that I need to help them with, the things that, that I know they need? I mean, is that something that you consciously developed or that you just kind of, again, kind of evolved into? 
Yeah, again, I think it would be a bit of both in, in that uh, a lot of people are coming to us in the same spot that I was in 10 years ago of going, okay, I've done some speaking. I'm a decent speaker. Um, I would love to do more of this. No idea what to do next, right? And so one line that we use on the webinar and that we use a lot is that uh, I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I think a lot of people are like that. They're, I have the potential. I'm a decent speaker. I've spoken at work or I'd spoke at some local event or I spoke at my church and, and I got some good feedback and I, I enjoyed it and it was fun and I'd like to do more of it. I just don't know what to do next. I don't know what I don't know. So that's where I think a lot of people are at. And so I, I think it's definitely going, you know, early on it was, all right, that's where I was at. And what are some of the common questions that we're getting? What are the people that are coming to us? Where are they at in their business? Uh, and I think it definitely kind of uh, evolves over time. But um, I think one of the best things that, that, that your listeners can do is really paying attention to what are the commonalities and questions. And uh, that's one thing that we've noticed is that you may have someone who uh, who is a veterinarian who wants to speak about um, helping raise healthy pets. And then we have someone else who wants to speak about corporate leadership and they're in different parts of the country or different parts of the world, but they're asking the same questions, right? And so just paying attention to what those common questions are. Uh, and I think it makes it a lot easier to begin to form material, both free or paid, uh, around that. Would you, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but I'm, I'm guessing that if I can't articulate what that commonality is, that maybe I don't have the marketplace well-defined. Do you think that's a fair uh, uh, statement? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, there's the there's that marketing uh, adage, and I'm trying to, I'm, I'm a butcher here, but basically, like, if you, can, if you can describe the problem to the customer better than they can describe it themselves, they'll feel like you have the solution, right? So I think there's absolutely, I think it is really important to, uh, and it's, it's one of the things that we teach within speaking, that if you say, well, um, you know, my message is for everybody. Who, who do I want to speak to? I want to speak to humans. I want to speak to people. It's like, you, you can't build a business that way, right? In the same way that, you know, Joel, if I were to ask you, who's your podcast for? And you're like, well, it's for everybody. Anybody and everybody who listens to podcasts, they should listen to it. Well, that might be, there might be some truth and might most people might get something out of it. You shouldn't try to appeal to everybody and you shouldn't try to market to everybody. Uh, and so the same thing is true whenever you're doing speaking or, or whether you're doing any type of, uh, whether a book or a course or a training or a webinar or whatever, it shouldn't be the type of thing that appeals to everybody. You want someone to come across your material, your content, and feel like, dang, this person is speaking right to me. Like this is exactly where I'm at. So that's a lot of what we try to do with the webinar itself. And that's where, that's where I share some of my own story. And that's why, you know, talking about it at the beginning to say, Hey, I know what it's like. I know what it's been like to feel like I had the potential and I needed the plan. And I, I just needed someone to show me what to do next. So we're going to show you now what to do and kind of walk people through that. So yeah. I think that's, it's definitely, um, you, you as a, um, as the online brain, you really position yourself as more of a guide that, that says, Hey, Hey, grab my hand. Come along with me. Let me let me show you where to go. Here, here's the path. Let, walk with me. I'll show you what to do. And uh, I think that I think positioning yourself like that really attracts the right kind of people. Um, and I think again over, over time, I think you you get more clear on who those people are. In the same way that like when you start speaking, you know you you may have a rough idea of who you want to speak to and what you want to speak about. But there's a good chance that that's going to evolve and change over time as you do it more. And so really, um, when you're starting some type of, of online brand or, or a blog or a podcast or whatever it may be you're really making an educated guess on what the audience is looking for and what the audience is interested in. This exact same thing is true with speaking is yeah. when you're developing a talk, 
you like it's an educated guess. I don't know how the audience is going to respond until I get in front of the audience. The same thing is true with the webinar. And so that's why our webinar has evolved and changed. That's why our our talks evolve and change so much is because uh, it, it's it's oftentimes this is what I think people need and based on what I'm hearing. But once I'm actually getting actual feedback from them, then it helps me to kind of pivot and adjust accordingly to more accurately reflect what they're what they're looking for, and what they need. Yeah, you know, I, again, I, it, it's a great, this is why I want to, again, why I want to have you on the show, because I love, I, I kind of sense this is kind of your process and the way you prioritize things, so I'm glad I, my, my, uh, my sense for it was kind of accurate. But another thing I find really captivating about how you go about your business development is the obvious level of roll up your sleeves effort. And even in what you, you train your, your guests on that come to the webinar, that this is, it's a little bit of hard work involved here. You have to actually yeah. do some work, right? Right. I mean, you go through content development, you're, you're the prospecting, I'm sure, that you're doing. You're spending an hour plus with webinar guests. Uh, and then you share all this great information about how to book speaking gigs. And it's really all good old-fashioned kind of nose-to-the-grindstone sort of work And I because I, I think that's transferable, right? I think that's another skill that's transferable right. to just about any sort of sales job. But I'm always perplexed, especially the larger the organization. The larger an organization gets and the more fragmented their disciplines become, I find that a lot of people miss, especially leaders, miss the necessity of really the simple hard work, roll your sleeves up, elbow grease kind of work. I mean, do you think that's right. true? And, and if so, why? Oh, a thousand percent. Like it's, um, you know, whether whether you talk about building a speaking business or building any type of business, um, I think I think definitely like going back to what we talked about earlier, that there are certainly people who want to pitch or promote whatever their thing is that, you know, building a business is easy and just take this pill and you'll lose weight and you'll be strong and sexy and yada, yada. And it's like, I mean, the reality is behind the scenes, the people that are successful are busting their butts to make it happen. So like this whole idea of, you know, like passive income or something like, yeah, you just build something and you build a course and throw it up and <laughs> yeah. you just sit back and sales just pour in. Like that's not been the case for us. Like it's still like we've had a, we've had the course and we have webinars and we have really good systems in place, but still every single day working on it and trying to improve it and trying to help and serve people. Like ultimately the, the like the goal for us is, is to help people be successful. Our goal is to like our, our internally with our team, the big thing that we, that we our big goal that we are, we track is uh, successful students and successful case studies of students who maybe they got their first gig for $500 or for a thousand dollars, or they just did a free thing, but it gave them a lot of more confidence that they can do this, or they booked their 10th gig that paid them $3,000, you know, or something like that. Like, like that's the stuff that we track uh, because that's also really, really good marketing as well. When people are successful, then, then it, you know, it help, helps other people like, Hey, how did you do that? Oh, you need to go, you know, check out the speaker lab or check out booked and paid to speak. But yeah, at the end of the day, like you said, it is, it's just really hard work. It really is. And so there's no, there's no, I mean, I'll show you the plan, you know, I'll show you the system and exactly what you need to yeah. do. But it's, I tell people like, it's still work. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it for you. And I'm not like just, just investing in our course or attending a webinar does nothing for you. It literally does nothing for you. You have to actually put in the work. And so that may mean that you're making sacrifices on, wow, well, that, that means you can't watch as much Netflix. That means you can't, you know, maybe go <laughs> yeah. out with friends. That may mean that you're sacrificing some time in the mornings or evenings or weekends, um, but like, that's like, that's what it takes, you know, in the same way that, um, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that I stay physically in shape. Right. And so I'm trying to, uh, avoid dad bod as much as possible. And so, you know, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm up at 6am up at five, 
530 to go to the gym by six uh, to work with a trainer at 6 a.m. And so that, you know, right before this interview, like I, I came home from the gym, showered real quick. And I, man, I didn't want to get up this morning. I didn't want to yeah. go do that. And I would love to just lay in bed and take a pill or think about it or click my heels together and all of a sudden like I'm magically healthy. But it just doesn't work like that. The yeah, reality is yeah. is it's discipline and it's and it's hard work. And so I think you're you're spot on that 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 is that could be a huge differentiating factor in that like I don't think um, from a speaking perspective, like I don't think I'm the world's best speaker. I think there's plenty of speakers that are way better than me. But I think the way that a big reason that I was able to be successful as a speaker and build a successful speaking business um, is because I just work really, really hard at it, you know, um, and and really stay after it and not just well I'm gonna work, you know, 15 minutes here and 30 minutes here. It's just you know it's a it's a long term process. It's a long term game to build a successful speaking business or to build a, a, a yeah. successful business at all. Now, listen, again, I think that's uh, an awesome reinforcement because, look, this show's focused on leaders of any sort, whether you're leading your own career progression, whether you're leading a division, a company, a multi-billion dollar division, you know, million dollar division of a billion dollar company, whoever, right? Because the, the, the necessities to, to come back to that realization that, okay, we really, if we want to make a difference, if we want to grow, if we want to beat the other guy out, the competitor, whoever it might be, and... You know, by the way, there's lots of reasons to do that, right? Because if I'm successful, I, there's so much more that comes out of that success that we have to get down to the brass tacks of, hey, actually, you know, working to drive the pipeline, to close the business, to get better at our webinars and whatnot. So I love the analogy of kind of the uh, the exercise, right? So I'm curious for the benefit of, of leaders that are listening to this that maybe want to improve a little bit of discipline in one area. I mean, what we what, what do you do when you say, okay, I want to get more disciplined in X, whatever it might be? Like, what are some of the things you do to create the successful habits that help you get better in that area? Yeah, it's a great question. There's uh, there are a couple things that come to mind. One is I'm really intentional on how I spend my time uh, on a, a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And so what I basically do is I view the year in 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 uh, quarters. And so I view one quarter at a time. So I think sometimes people, I know that a lot of people like to set um, yearly goals, annual goals. I think that's a long way out. Like my, I have no idea what my life is going to look like a year from now. And so even if you look back a year ago, you, you know, you may or may not be where you thought you'd be in life. So that just feels like a long way out, but three months, 90 days, that feels realistic. I have an idea of what that's going to be. So that's basically what my, myself personally, and then our business, how we operate is we look in 90 day increments of what do we want to accomplish in the next 90 days from there? What I do is once we kind of set what those goals are, and very, I mean, that's just very practical goal setting of not like, um, okay, in 90 days, I want to be healthy or I want to be happy or I want to be successful. No, no, like really being clear on a pass or fail, like you did it or you didn't do it. You know, you checked the box or you didn't. Uh, and so really clear on what those goals and objectives would be for 90 days out. Then from there, what I do is on Sunday nights or Monday mornings, I kind of map out the week and just like for this week, okay, what do I need to accomplish? What do I need to get done? Primarily to to move the ball forward on those quarterly goals. So I'll kind of uh, kind of map out four, five, six projects or tasks or items that I know I want to get done. And I know things are going to pop up throughout the week, um, but I really want to uh, nail down what are some of the things that I want to get to for that particular week. Then each day I'm looking at for that particular day, what are the things that I need to get done for that day? Um, so ultimately, I never want to be at a spot where I sit down and be like, 
okay, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm sitting at my computer and it's a Wednesday morning and I feel like there's something I'm supposed to be doing. And I feel like uh, I need to move the ball forward in some way, but I'm not really sure what, no, no, it's like, it's very, very clear that what I'm doing today is helping to accomplish the goal for the week, which is helping to yeah. accomplish the goal for the quarter. So I think having some type of plan in place and knowing that, for example, I was listening to a podcast this morning on the way home from the gym and had a, uh, there's a couple good ideas that were mentioned. I was like, oh, that'd be awesome. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean we need to rush in and implement those today. It means let's add them to the list. And then whenever we get ready to review next week or in a few weeks from now or next quarter, then we figure out if those things fit or not. But the reality is, is you can't get everything done today. You're not going to get everything done immediately. So something's going to ha- something's going to come first and something's going to happen last. And so just being really, really intentional and clear about what you want to get done and ultimately like where you want to be and then just kind of reverse engineering yeah, of yeah. what needs to happen to get from, from point A to point B. So that's been really, really important. The other thing that's been really important is connecting with uh, like-minded people. So I've been in a mastermind for uh, a little, almost two and a half years now uh, with a couple guys that I really, really trust and respect. And um, we we talk business, we talk life, we, we have a private Slack channel that we're in every day, uh, just comparing notes. And so part of being an entrepreneur is, is it can be really, really lonely. It's really isolating, you know? And, and sure. so it's helpful from time to time just to be able to, um, to share wins, to share losses, to share frustrations, to share ideas, and just to, to be able to bounce ideas off of someone else. So that's been really, really helpful. Um, also just from like an, a, a, an accountability standpoint, we, we, have some built-in accountability, but also just knowing like, hey, if I'm in a group with other people who are who are working hard, like I don't want to be the weak link. You know, at the gym this morning with a couple other guys, like I don't want to be the I don't want to be the weak link. I don't want to be the one <laughs> dragging us down. So yeah. I want to make sure. So there's kind of that built-in peer pressure in a healthy way, right? Yeah. Um, and so those two things have definitely been very, I think, very helpful for us in building some discipline, helping us to just move the ball forward overall in the business. Look, again, this is, I think you've encapsulated the what, what kind of flummoxes leaders in many uh, instances, right? Because that, listen, I, I, have a, 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 I have a number of children, but my, I, have a, I have a seven-year-old, eight-year-old. How old is he? <laughs> He's seven. Somewhere, ballpark. <laughs> he just turned seven. But his buddies are playing football, and he wants to play football. And I don't know. I mean, I love football, but I never played it. So we go to this yeah. clinic the other day. They have like these clinics leading up until practice, when practice starts in August, and the coaches are they're, they're good guys. They know what they're doing, and and uh, they have these kids running these skill clinics. So they're not even touching the ball; they're just doing footwork and things like that. And I'm watching the way now these are seven year old, seven eight year old kids, right? And I'm watching the way that these guys who are obviously passionate about football. They're obviously passionate about educating kids to play the right way, and they're motivating them. They're pumping them up, right? But look, structuring a practice a skills practice for a bunch of seven and eight year olds who have the attention span of like a flea right i'm sure that's not the fun part structuring that thing out right but they're committed to it and they're injecting their passion for what they're doing in this case football right to teach these kids things that they're going to have for if they end up playing through high school for the rest of their you know sports lives all the way through high school right so so you see what i'm getting at is like i love the way you just step through that because that is what we miss a lot of times i think as leaders i'm curious what you think here is that Listen, the discipline matters. The, the strategy is definitely important, but how we decide to execute and the tactics to fulfill that execution are equally as important. I mean, would you share that that kind of uh, estimation of it? Yeah, and in fact, going back to something we, we were touching on earlier is that um, there's the 
we want the results, but oftentimes we want it without the work, you know? And so we want to look good and feel good, but we want, we don't want to go to the gym or we don't want to get up early or we want to, I'd prefer to have ice cream and Snickers all day, every day. Um, so we want, we want those things. Uh, and, and, but we also want the results and you can't have both, you know? And so uh, some great advice I got early on was to fall in love with the process, meaning that when you're on stage for an hour and, and oftentimes I have speakers who reach out and say, um, you know, hey, I, you know, I attended events and I saw uh, Gary V speaker, I saw Tim Ferriss speaker, I saw fill in the blank big name speak, and and they spoke to you know 3,000 people, and so I want to do that. How do I do that? It's like th that's a long way away. It's possible for some people, but it's it's a long way away. So it's not just going to happen. And so so much of business and so much of success is just the daily monotonous grind of yes, yes. head down and just doing the work. Like yeah. again, it's not. It's not glamorous. It's not sexy. It's it can be boring. It can be lonely. It can be repetitive and tedious and monotonous. Um, but that's even like the system that we teach is not glamorous at all. Like uh, there's some people who reach out and be like, that totally makes sense. But it takes time. Yeah, it does. And that's where <laughs> right. a lot yeah. of people aren't successful is that uh, they're just not willing to put in the work. And that's totally fine. That's totally cool. And so I think you have to you have to be in love with the process of of the work. And, and, uh, I, th I think there's just, it's just too easy to throw in the towel. It's too easy to quit. And so I, I like in some ways that to be successful in business, the differentiator for so many people is you're willing to do the work or you're not, yep. you know? Nah, so yeah, in some ways it feels like the bar is low that, yeah, anybody can jump in, but the bar to be successful is high because it does require work. It does require effort. And most people just aren't willing to do that. No, I, I agree with you. And I think we talked about the coaching industry in general. I think the, the barrier of entry being so low kind of dupes people into thinking that it's easy when it's really not, you know. Sure. Yep. Um, Grant, do you have time for just one more topic? I want to just ask you yeah, one more thing. Please. Okay, great. Um, you know, speaking, and I've been, you know, I pay attention to the way um, marketing flows and where people are investing their money. And I kind of, it's kind of my uh, vision of it, but I feel as though physical events are kind of entering almost a golden era here. And, and why that is, is because as great as social media and digital communications are, there's just a layer of intimacy that's missed there. So I see really well-run events getting more and more traction with people wanting to be there because it's an actual opportunity to physically connect with people that care about the things you care about. I would imagine that this is good for business for you, right? Because if I have events, I obviously need more speaking. But I'm curious if you see event marketing and the uh, physical events kind of making, not a comeback, but just kind of being more important to the marketing mix for the average uh, you know, business person out there. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's pros and cons. You know, we did um, we did a, just a quick small one day thing last year for a dozen people, just some hot seats um, here in Nashville, and it went really well. And um, uh, so we've definitely we've talked about doing that again, and we've we've talked about the pros and cons of it. I mean, the upside is you're exactly right that there's nothing that is better than meeting people in person, right? And so there's nothing that replaces that connection. I mean, uh, Joel, you and I could talk uh, on Skype every week for months and months months and months, but if we meet in person one time, it just changes the dynamic of the relationship. And so I found that to be the case over and over and over again. And even, you know, those 12 students who came last year to the one day thing that we did, um, you know, those students, I feel like I really know them and they, uh, we have a deeper, better relationship and they're able to reach out to me and ping me and, and text me or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I got a, a text yesterday from a guy who was like, Hey, I just wanted to share a quick success story. Right. And then we just have a different relationship than other people that I, I haven't met before. Right. And so I think doing the in-person thing absolutely makes a difference. I know from my own experience, just from when I was doing a lot of speaking, 
that nothing compares with actually seeing people's faces from a speaking yeah. perspective that, yeah. you know, like you, you talked about earlier that when I do a webinar, there may be, you know, a couple hundred people on there, but I can't see any of their face. I mean, heck, they could all be watching Netflix and not be paying attention and I wouldn't know. So when you're able to actually see people's faces and you're able to make human connections with them, there's nothing greater. There's nothing better than that. Now, the, the downside is, like you said, there, there, um, there's a lot of expense that may be involved in putting on an event. Um, there's a lot of logistical issues of just people having to travel to they have to clear schedules they have to find child care there's, there's just a lot more logistics to go into it so part of the time for us it's like when we did that one day thing last year like we made you know we made a little bit of money on it but it wasn't like there there would have been much better uses of our time so to speak and and several of the people that i know that have put on events have said the same thing that you wouldn't necessarily do it for a um that one-off payoff type of thing you know that yeah if you're just looking at a pure roi from that one event for most people it's not going to be there there's other things that you could be doing but the long-term benefits of those relationships those connections of those people that again you've helped be successful that go on to be some of your you know your raving fans and your biggest your biggest supporters of what you do um that can pay long-term dividends and you know in a variety of different ways so yeah so i um it's uh, literally some the other day our team w was talking about uh, of doing something i don't personally i'm not i don't want to do some big you know 300 person conference but i like the idea of doing small intimate sure. things for yeah. you know 10 20 30 people that you really you have a lot better chance of getting to know people that way too you know and you have a lot better chance of connecting with people um so yeah we're trying to figure out what that looks like for us but yeah meeting people in person there's absolutely um there's there's nothing that replaces that and in fact to, to speak to that one other level um I mentioned to you offline that, you know, my family and I, we, we had lived in Missouri for my whole life and then we moved to Nashville about a little over two years ago. Uh, and it's been phenomenal. And part of the reason that we moved here was for the relationships. There's a lot of people that are in our space and podcasters, bloggers, course makers, you know, speakers, authors, all of the above who are here. And some of those people are people that I knew of or people that I had talked to from time to time, but there's nothing that replaces being physically in the same space as them, you know, and, and people that I kind of knew loosely or knew of now we are good friends or we go to church together or we, um, our families get together. Or we do go to the pool together or like those type of, of shared life experiences. And those things don't happen if you, if you don't physically meet the person or you're not there, uh, with them. So, um, yeah, I would say, you know, we, Personally, we took it to the level of moving to a location of, of being around the type of people that we wanted to be personally and professionally. Uh, and so it's, I think it's, it can it can really make a huge difference. I agree, Grant. I agree. And again, I'm, I'm just so edified by everything you have to say because it, it reinforces a lot of things that I know work. And I'm glad to have had the opportunity to introduce you to my audience. So listen, before we wrap it up here, where can we learn more? I'm sure there's somebody out there that's that's like, wow, this Grant Baldwin guy knows what he's talking about. So where should they go? What should they do? Yeah, so the, I'll give you two websites. So if you're interested in, in specifically the uh, learning more about the the speaker training that we offer, uh, and if you want to attend one of those webinars that Joel has mentioned, uh, you can go to freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. We do trainings uh, every week that, uh, again, just teach more in depth, specifically if you're looking for, like, how do I actually find a book speaking engagement? So um, definitely go there, freespeakerworkshop.com. If you're interested in, in just learning more about speaking and, and through the podcast or blog, uh, some of the other just free tools and resources that we've got, uh, definitely check out free, or excuse me, go to uh, thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. 
Very good, Grant. I'll include those in the show notes. And again, once we've been speaking with Grant Baldwin, he is a prolific communicator, as I'm sure he would agree with me now, and the founder of the speakerlab.com and also the program Book and Paid to Speak. Grant, I know you uh, have a lot of things competing for your time, so I'm thankful that you've chosen to share some of it with me today. Thanks for being here on Living Matters. Thanks, Joel. Really enjoyed it. It was fun. Thank you.